0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. This morning we had an awesome service in our Spanish service. We had a time of prayer. I was telling the church, and I'll tell you this morning, that it's during the year, a few times during the year, that the Lord will just begin to speak to my heart about needs that the church has and how important it is for us to pray. You know, there's been a lot of sickness involved, a lot of sickness going around. There's a certain virus that has been getting the best of us. Uh, We've seen uh, some of our worship team uh, suffer through it as well, go through it, I myself. And and some of you, I get texts and phone calls from people that are telling me that they are sick. And so we are praying for them as well. And maybe over social media, those of you over social media have been struggling with the same thing. And maybe that's why you're not here this morning. But we're going to pray this morning. We're going to pray. How many know that the Lord is still in the miracle working business? How many believe that with all your heart? Amen. God can still change things. You know, a lot of people think that miracles are done and over. I believe that when there will be no more miracles in this world is when Jesus is not here anymore in this world. But anywhere the Lord is, there is miraculous power because of who He is. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to do that this morning. But as we take on the challenge every time when we're going to pray together, it's, it's important for me. And it should be important for you. I, I want to do the best that we can to get in line with the receiving of what we get from God. It's important for us to understand sometimes the purpose of miracles or how we should prepare in our personal lives to be able to receive from God. Amen. And I believe that's so important. We have seen great things happen uh, here at Rock of Ages over the years. We've seen miracles at this altar. Some of you have been present when we have seen great things. God do great things. Uh, we've seen cancer disappear at this altar. We've had uh, people come back and testify. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a powerful thing. I don't say it lightly. Uh, either we believe that God is able or we don't. And I believe He's able. I believe He's able to change the unchangeable. He's able to reach the unreachable. He's able to save the unsavable. We've seen salvation come into the homes of families. After we've prayed together in unified, consecrated prayer before the Lord, God has changed lives and hearts of husbands, wives, and children. Great things. Great things. I was telling the church, and some of you may have forgotten, but just a few years ago, the Lord raised a man from being dead in the back of the aisle. I don't know how many of you remember that. That was a powerful time. I'm talking about the power of God. Allow me to accentuate a little bit, to, to boast, if you can, a little bit on the Lord, because He is able to do great things. Great things. Some of us, you know, it's easy to say, I believe. If I ask you right now, how many of us believe that God can let me see a show of hands. How many of us really believe that God can? Now, let me not disappoint you, but that's an easy thing to say. It's easy to say. It's easy to say because we've been trained, we've been conditioned as believers that anytime somebody asks a question such as, do you think he's able, we quickly say yes, and it becomes a, 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 a trivial almost. It, it becomes something simple for us to respond to because that indeed is the proper response. God can but when the test comes or the, what is it, the, the, the rubber meets the road, when, when it, it, it becomes a challenge is when we go through things in our lives that we demonstrate what we just said, I believe. Uh, I remember uh, a few years ago, several years ago, um, I, I, certainly our visitors probably don't know, but I, I went through a liver transplant just three years ago and I suffered with cirrhosis for six before that. And so it was a very trying time in my life, and and I'm still here by the grace of God. God miraculously allowed me to go through that transplant, and I'm here after all these years uh, preaching the gospel to you. Amen. But during those times, the beginning times, uh, my body went through a lot of changes, and and, uh, even psychologically, mentally, emotionally, I went through a lot. It was a real big challenge to go through cirrhosis. It really is. Uh, it gave me a new perspective of this kind of illness, and I speak to a lot of people uh, who are undergoing or have undergone uh, this kind of situation. And so, uh, one time I, I, I was preaching. I never stopped preaching, uh, even though through through my illness. Uh, uh, but going uh, to my office, I was m- met, or uh, a sister came by, and, Hi, hey, Pastor, how you doing? And that day, I wasn't feeling good. I came up, and I preached. I did the best I could, and I walked off a little weak, and I went to my office, and I was just happy to get to my office after uh, 30, 45 minutes of being on the altar speaking to the congregation. And she looks at me, she goes, Pastor, you, you, you feel okay, you look sick. I, I said, I... I I don't feel very good. I'm, I'm actually tired, sister. Thank you. And she went on in such a wonderful way. Pastor, be encouraged. God can. God can. God will. God's got you covered. His, His hand is powerful to do this. He's all able. And she went on to minister to me. And I was standing there right in front of my office and, and just listening to her. And I was being encouraged by her. And basically what she was testifying to was that she believed that God could do anything, that God certainly could heal me. And she was right. Amen? And she was testifying, and she was telling me of, of how I should have confidence and believe that God. I preach it all the time. She said, you tell us all the time. So she's telling me now, believe it. And, well, it was a few, and I'm not making certainly fun of anybody here or, or discrediting her and her effort to, to encourage me, but a couple of weeks later, she underwent a, her own trial. And it was a tough one for her family. And I remember her coming in to see me in my office, and she was absolutely falling apart. Absolutely falling apart, feeling desperate and hopeless and all these things. And in my mind as I saw her, I said, wasn't it you testifying and telling me just a couple of weeks ago that I should have faith and believe that God can? And the point I'm trying to make is not to simply bring up that testimony, but to tell you it's easy sometimes to say, I believe. It's easy to say, I believe. But God really expects us to believe. Beyond just the word. Beyond just testifying or saying it to anyone because it's convenient or proper. But to actually believe in your heart that God can. That's what moves mountains. That's what changes the unchangeable. That's what reaches the unreachable. When you truly, in your heart, believe that God is in a miracle working business. We become conditioned sometimes to simply say, I do believe, but yet when it comes to our own circumstance, we believe very, very little, very little, and so I want to encourage you this morning by telling you that God is able, whatever your circumstance is this morning, God is able to change that. God is able to turn that around. And the beautiful part about what I'm telling you is that not only is God able to do it, but He is willing to do it. His attitude concerning you has not changed. He still loves you. It's all about Him getting you out of that miry pit and pulling you out to start walking your walk from glory, from glory glory. glory. Jesus hasn't changed. I've got news for you. Some people say, well, miracles stopped when Bible days were written and done with. I I don't know what Bible they're reading, but mine says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He's here for us. And so this morning, I want to prepare your hearts with just a couple of principles that I believe we should embrace before we come to this altar. We've prepared our ushers. We're going to be praying with you and believing with you over that miracle, that prayer. Maybe it's salvation. You're standing in the gap for someone. We're going to believe with you this morning. It's important for me in my heart to pray with you today and to send you off today believing once again, refreshed at the turning of this year. Begin to walk and step into this year believing that whatever you may encounter in your life in the next coming months of this year, you'll be able to stand firm knowing that God is able. Amen? God is able. Amen. God has a miracle for you. He still has the power is the title of my conversation with you this morning. But we have to believe when I speak of miracles, I believe the first principle, we just covered it a little bit. The first principle for us in order to believe a miracle is to believe that they still exist. That they're still happening. As I said to you this morning, many of us are used to confessing to believe. But the question really is, do you really believe? We kind of find ourselves at that Peter and, uh, and Jesus uh, uh, moment when the Lord said to you, uh, 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 who, who do you say I am? Who do the people say I am? And he had to, had a deeper conversation with Peter to be able to draw from his heart until Jesus said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so when it's, we speak about faith and believing the Lord, I believe the Lord would ask us not once but two or three times, Do you believe that I can? Until we get to the core of our hearts and say, Lord, I'm struggling like that man said, help me in my unbelief. To be honest with God or to truly say, yes, Lord, I indeed do believe. But that's what God wants, true faith, to trust in Him. Scripture tells us in Mark 11 and 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Please notice how present term, uh, how it speaks to us in present term. Once you pray, believe that it's now, that it's coming, that it's there, it's on its way. The moment you release those words, believe you have received it. And so when we come to this altar this morning to pray, we want you to come with that kind of faith to say, you know, I'm going to get prayed with and we're going to agree over this. And I'm going to believe that the moment we loosen that word, it will be a done thing. We're praying for healing. We believe in God is going to do that this morning. There's a promise of the Lord, a testimony of Jesus Himself way back in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53. Jesus didn't go through the suffering in vain. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Everybody say we are healed. Didn't say we will be healed. It says we are healed. Amen? Amen. Somehow we've been conditioned by whatever enemy spirit is out there to tell us that maybe one day it'll happen and that loosens us from a direct and an immediate faith and to believe God can do it now and God will do it now and God has done it already. So come to the altar this morning and take a hold of not something God might give you but something God has already provided for you today. Can you say amen? The second thing, the second principle, and I'm going to move uh, as quick as I can through this just short lesson because we want to be able to spend time in prayer this morning. The second principle that's so important that I believe the devil has lied to in the hearts of so many people that have been ill before is the guilt of illness. Some people walk around through life believing that it's a sort of punishment of what you're going through. Somehow, I don't know why God is allowing me to go through this and uh, He must not like me very much or man, He must not be forgetting what I did after even though I've repented and I've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, somehow I'm getting punished for, for this illness. I've got this cancer now. I've got this diabetes now. I've got this cold, this fever, whatever it might be that is stealing your joy. But we need to realize that the Lord doesn't use sickness As a reward or a punishment. As a vindictive act by the Almighty. How many would agree with me when I say that if the Lord used sickness, illness, and even death to punish us, none of us would be here today. We wouldn't be here today. Is there anybody here that hasn't failed a time or two? I have to put my hand down. We've all failed. We've all been short at one time or the other. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 that there is no one that is righteous. Not even one. No one who understands. No one who really seeks God. All have turned away at one time or the other. There is no one who does good. Not even one. So that tells us that we've all failed. And again, if sickness and the trouble that you're going through, you begin to look at them as God chastising you over something you owe Him, you'll never be happy. You'll be serving the Lord out of fear that He's going to strike you dead. But if that was the case, ladies and gentlemen, this building and this whole world would be an absolute empty space. Because all of us are worthy of that chastisement. Amen? All of us are. So you need to release that. You need to release these things. But pastor, I've been told, you know, I years ago, I, uh, a friend of mine and his, his father uh, went around praying for people and, and I was very ill. This, I don't, must have been 25 years old. That's a long time ago. But I was sick and he said, I'm going to ask my dad to come pray for you. I said, yeah, please do. You're no problem. So he came over, and the first thing this gentleman, good gentleman, came and sat down with me. He looked at me. He says, tell me what your sins are. I said, okay. Um, I, I didn't get it. He said, well, me, maybe my first sin is letting you in my house. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I know it was a brash question. I, I, I get it. I understand that. But that takes you to a place of condemnation. And it's not that you're not going to confess your sins because I'll talk to you about that in a few minutes. And how indeed indeed sin can get in the way of your miracle. But to initially begin and serve God out of fear because of somehow he's going to suppress you. None in the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, would have survived even a day with Christ. But yet, even those in Scripture, the Bible says, those who followed the Lord got ill in their bodies as well. If that wasn't so, James would have never written in James 5, chapter 13, verse 13, rather. James 5 and 13 says, if any one of you is in, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? Now he's speaking to believers. Believers. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. Now it says if there is sin involved. If there is. That's not the primary reason here that he's mentioning. It's an important one. But in this case, it's not primary. He that if he has sinned, he too will be forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of us sometimes live through sickness and say, you know, I might not be worth very much. Because I'm always sick or I've been struggling this way or my family is going through this all the time. Even my friends say, it's again, it's redundant in your life. You know, even the disciples sometimes interpreted sickness that way. And so we're not the first time. We, we're not the only people that are judgmental sometimes because sometimes we see somebody that's sick and says, well, I wonder what that guy's been up to that he would be so sick. And that's a terrible thing to say. But we say those things sometimes by mistake or by error, certainly in the eyes of the Lord. But the, we're not the only ones. We didn't invent that kind of thinking. The disciples even themselves thought that way. Let's read a little bit. Let's find out how they also had the opinion sometimes that sickness was the result of sin. John 9 and 1 says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, the question is quite silly in the eyes of Jesus, I'm sure. They're saying, Lord, how did this guy mess up that he would be born Ill or what did his parents do that the Lord would punish him with a child that has Down Syndrome? What have this people done so much that, that they would be stricken with a baby that has cancer? The disciples, they walk with Christ and it was a silly question. And the Lord quickly set them straight. And this, I believe, I hope, that will set us straight as well. That sickness, ladies and gentlemen, is never a place that gives us the right to condemn anybody or to make them feel bad. But to encourage them in the words of Christ. Jesus said, this guy, it's not about his sin nor his parents. But it's about the opportunity of showing the power of God in his life. Anytime you're sick, and I'm not saying that we should desire to be sick just for this, but anytime, ladies and gentlemen, you find yourself ill or going through a rough time, I want you to begin to think about it this way. What a great opportunity for God to show up. Amen? What a great opportunity to show up. When I was in the hospital at Baylor in Houston going through my situation, and it was a tough one, I repeat. I can't forget that. But my prayer though I was not afraid to go on off into eternity, I am secure and I am sure that to be absent in this world is to be present in the presence of the Lord. That I am sure of, so I'm not afraid to die. When I die, if I should drop dead, keel over right now, don't cry for me. Cry for yourself. I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Amen? But we go through these things. And, and, And My prayer when I was going through this situation was, Lord, if you're going to bring me through, bring me through, or take me home rather, then take me home. I'm ready. I'm good. I'm ready. Should you collect my soul? I'm ready to go. My wife was telling me, and I didn't know this until she told me that she got a phone call from Baylor and told me that I had died. And told her that I had died. For five minutes, I died. If I showed you some of my pictures, some of you have already forgotten what I looked like, but I was skeletal and I was gray, absolutely gray with all the liver marks on my arms. You remember that. And I was still preaching, holding on to this pulpit with every breath. But I died. Some of you didn't know that. I didn't know that till my wife told me. somehow, by the grace of God, they brought me back. They did what they did, and they made me strong enough to undergo that liver transplant that I needed, praise God. I said, Lord, if you're going to take me, take me, but if you're not, use this opportunity to give yourself glory so that people can praise your name, and they can believe that you can take a man from the grave and pull him out hallelujah and make him alive and well and i'm thankful i am a testimony today ladies and gentlemen and this is no boast i'm not up here to make myself look good i'm humbled before god and the lord would find his grace in my life enough to spare me and give me another opportunity three years now anniversary of my transplant and i'm thankful for that amen But if God can do that for me, he can do that for you. And so sometimes when we go through things, when we go through situations in our life, I want you to think of it this way. This is a great opportunity for the Lord to show up and to embarrass the devil and to reveal his power not only in your life but to those of you around. People need to see the work of God. They need to know of the miracles of God. We don't testify enough. It's almost awkward someone to come, by, come up here and stand and, and testify and say, you know, uh, I died or I went through this. I went through a cancer. I went through these things. If people hear a testimony and they believe again that God is able to do these great things. They build up their faith. Amen. So let us know that it's a great time, just like the Lord told his disciples, it's not because these people sinned. It's because it's an opportunity for people to believe because of what I'm going to do in his life. And I promise you that ever since my circumstance and my situation, I've talked to so many people with liver disease. I've had phone calls and texts from people, young people that have their parents that are sick from liver. I've been able to witness and testify and give them Names and and plans and things that, that, that they gave me in order for me to prepare myself for this whole difficult journey. But in our conversation, the Lord is always getting his praise. It's nothing that I did, nothing they did, primarily. It was all in the hands of God. Thirdly, we come back to sin. We need to learn to release. We need to get strong to release any hidden sin in our lives as well. Well, I said to you that sin may have not brought you to that place. It can be sin that will keep you in that place. Does that make any sense to you? While it wasn't sin maybe that brought that particular specific situation over your life. It can be hidden sin that will keep you suffering in that position. God wants you to release all these things. All these things that sometimes we harbor, that we can't see as human beings over each other. But God knows we are hiding deep in our hearts. And you wonder why God isn't releasing that healing power. Have we examined our hearts? When you come to this altar, this morning we had an awesome time of reconciliation with God. We said, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, And things that I know of, I willingly surrender. But things that are in there that I may not even know of, Lord, I surrender them to you and I get them out of my life. I don't want anything hindering my relationship. I want my body clean, Lord, where you can touch me with your holy hands. The Bible says in John 9, verse 31, this is a hard saying. But if you want healing and you want miracles in your life and you need salvation in your children, your home, you want God to move basically in your life in every area, just know this. John 9 and 31 says, For we know that God does not listen to sinners, but He listens to the godly man who does His will. And so it's important for us, ladies and gentlemen, if we wonder why sometimes miracles are held back, like I said, it may have not been some sin that took you there, they have been a consequence of whatever else in this world, fallen world we live in, it can be indeed sin that keeps us there. The Bible says in James 5 and 16, the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Notice the criteria in effective prayer, and we're going to pray. You're going to pray. Notice the criteria for effective prayer, and that is righteousness righteousness, that we seek righteousness. Remember the Bible says, seek the Lord and His righteousness, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so it's important for us to cleanse our hearts when we come to this altar this morning to pray, to say, Lord, cleanse my heart. I need this healing from you. I need you to touch my life. Touch my life, Father God. I, I cleanse my my life right now in the presence of your holiness, Father God, that you might be able to restore my body completely. Fourthly this morning, trust him that he will do it his way. Trust that he will get it done. And here's the key to this particular principle. The reason I say trust that God will get it done I should mention that we should trust that God will get it done the way He wants to get it done. Here's where people get disappointed sometimes, and let me use myself. We've had sicknesses in our family, my wife and I, and I could mention there are a pretty good list in the past 46 years of us being married. We've been through quite the journey, ups and downs, sickness and wells, and joys and sadness. And every time that we had a serious need, we always told God how we wanted Him to do it. Anybody ever told the Lord how you want Him to do it? Come on, be honest. Anybody ever? Lord, call the miracle divinely right now. Everybody wants divine, right? I want divine. Can I tell you, when I was going through my transplant and my liver cirrhosis, I I used to be a nurse and I did thoracic surgery for a long time before I came full-time into ministry. And I saw uh, laparotomies. I did open heart. I did all these things. And I saw what kind of mutilation uh, a surgeon can do in order to fix the individual. And I had seen liver procedures already. I had seen kidney procedures. I have worked in them myself. My hands have been in there. And I see the kind of wound that sometimes the doctor is very generous with himself and takes if the guy is big, and I'm a pretty big guy. I promise you, I've got a scar from here to here. But my prayer, when I was going through this with Lord, I preached the gospel, man. I believe you're able, Lord. I know that you healed instantly, Lord. Do it that way for me. Because I don't want to go through the knife. My oldest daughter, which is now a married mother, and and the mother to two of my beautiful granddaughters, she had a cancer when she was two years old. And we went to MD Anderson, and, and we didn't know too much about the Lord way back then, my wife and I, but we knew that he was able to do miracles. And so our prayer was obviously not only heal her, but we were telling him how we wanted him to do it. Who wants their children to go through surgery to remove a kidney? None of us. So we're always telling God how we want things done. Lord, if you can, don't make them go through that. Or Lord, I don't want to go through that. Well, I went through my surgery (laughs) seven hours. My daughter went through her surgery, had a kidney removed for another four, five, six hours in MD Anderson in Houston. It's tough. And God didn't listen to my suggestion. And that can be discouraging sometimes to people. Well, if God had loved me, I wouldn't have gone through this big surgery. That's not the point. The point is to believe that God is going to get you out. And He'll get you out in His time, and He'll get you out His way. That's maturity. That's growing the trust in the Lord. That's saying, Lord, I know that the miracle is mine, and I receive that miracle. And you know what? Do it however A God like you can do it, but do it, Lord. I'm going to trust that at the other side, you and I are going to walk in victory out of this whole time of trouble that we're going through. Here I am. Do I have the scars to remember the experience? Absolutely. But you know what? The miracle is still standing right here and I'm giving all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we need to learn. In the Bible, we find and we are taught that God did miracles at least three ways. And I'll educate you on them just a little bit. Number one, obviously, is divine healing, instant healing. God can do the things in the now at that moment. Matthew 9 and 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. The woman from the issue of blood... At that moment, instantly and divine, the Lord did a lot of things in scripture where He just simply spoke the word, laid a hand, and it was done. How we pray so many times, Lord, if you'll just touch my life and and divinely, just like that woman who was healed at that very moment, Lord, get it done, please. And the Lord decides not to for some reason. Sometimes people stop believing. Start blaming God. God doesn't want us to do that. This is what I said at the beginning. Sometimes it's easy to confess I believe. If you believe, you'll believe he'll do it any way he wants to do it. Secondly, we have progressive healing. God can heal you in time. He can do it divinely he can do it in time. We can trust that he will set our healing in motion. The moment that you speak of that miracle at the altar and say, Lord, heal me over this. Know that that healing is in progress already. Believe that that he is already at work. Here's proof of that. Luke 17 and 12. He was going into a village and 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at the distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They were lepers. They needed healing in their lives. You would expect just like anybody else that they may have seen previously maybe. Instantly the Lord would have said be healed and all they were all clean. But no that's not what he said. He said go on your way. Keep going and go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says as they kept going progressively moving forward they were healed on the way. It wasn't divine. It wasn't not divine but it was an instant It was progressive. Ladies and gentlemen, let me say also, as we pray for miracles, as we pray for God to move in our lives, God is expecting us not to stop at that place, but to keep moving forward in the Lord. To continue doing. You know, when I went through this whole situation, and I don't mean to be bragging on this whole thing that I went through. It's not all about me. But I'm the only testimony that I have. When I was diagnosed with cirrhosis in 2016, and that is devastating news for anybody. We've had people in our church, sadly, since I have been sick of this thing, I had been sick of this thing that had liver cirrhosis that are no longer with us today. And to my pain, really, it broke my heart. And we've had a couple of people here in our church that came to see me and kept, we kept praying together and everything else that are no longer with us because of the same liver disease that I had. But I'm here. I don't understand why. But I praise the Lord. But it's devastating to hear. Anybody who's been diagnosing, uh, diagnosed with cancer. I'm not going to point her out. But you know, we've been praying for Mara. This young baby girl we have here. Diagnosed with a terrible cancer just a few months ago. She's the one that does our morning uh, pre-service announcements. She's the one that runs sound back there with the guys, does lights, and all these, the ushers with us. She prays with us. She does everything with us. You know what that girl did the moment she was diagnosed with this cancer in her body? Nothing different. She's still here every Sunday morning, still working. Already went through her surgery. God has restored her completely. And if you look at her now, she's not wearing a turban anymore. She's got a full set of hair already in her head. But she's moving forward. Moving forward. You see, sickness is never supposed to galvanize you and stop. Well, I'm sick. Are you going to church? No, for what? For what? I kept preaching till the day I got off this pulpit. And Pastor Thomas, where are you? Pastor Thomas waited for me in my truck outside the stairs while my ushers walked me from this pulpit. The last service, they got me off. And I walked outside of that door. I got in my truck and I went. The next time I opened my door was at Baylor Emergency Hospital. Pastor, the only thing I did when I got there, we got off. He got off with me. It was during a massive, uh, horrible COVID thing going on. So nobody was welcome. Nobody could go into the hospitals other than the patient. And they brought me inside. Pastor was only able to go inside just a little bit. And the last thing I remember is going, I love you, Pastor. I love you too, Pastor. And he faded off. And they took me into the emergency room, put me in a in a gurney, and took me in. That's all I remember. But I got off of here. I didn't get off of my bed at home when I was diagnosed six months, six years before. I got off of here. And what we need to learn, ladies and gentlemen, is that when we do get sick and we go through stuff, it's not to galvanize you and stop you from serving the Lord. You're supposed to keep going. You're supposed to keep walking. Because by the grace of God, as you continue walking, you will begin to see that leprosy begin to leave your body. You begin, that sickness begins to leave your body. All of a sudden, everything begins to transform in your body. You don't even know when, but the moment you wake up from this whole thing, you look at yourself and you're healed. Never to stop you. That's what the Lord showed these lepers. Lord, heal us. Can we just sit with you here and we'll just wait until we'll hear? No. Keep going, man. And some of us here need to learn to keep going when we go through sickness. Some people have stopped going to church because they got a flu, they got something light, what I mean. No, no, we're supposed to keep going. And thirdly, the Lord can heal you through natural intervention. It's all tied in together. What this means is that God can use natural elements to do the job. It's why we should always be thankful for our doctors and our nurses. We have nurses in this house we're thankful for. I was a nurse for for several years. I know several doctors and friends of ours. We should be thankful for medicine. I'm thankful for MD Anderson. I'm thankful for Baylor. I'm thankful for the hospitals I've been involved in in the past married life. With my children and my own life, even my wife. I'm thankful. Because God can use the natural elements of this world to bring healing to us. You need proof of that? John 9 and 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva, and put it under the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. Again, we talk about moving forward. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. But how? What medication did God use? The Bible says that he spit on the ground and made mud. He took dust. And put it over the man's eyes. He said, go knock this off. This is going to heal you. It's going to do it. None of us like to take pills. I certainly don't. And trust me, uh, if I continue in the advice of my doctors, I'll be taking pills for the rest of my life. The uh, uh, anti-rejection pills and everything else that people with transplants do. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God uses natural elements. We're thankful for our, the medical hospitals and everything we have available because God can use that. Want another example really quick? Mark 8 and 22. Don't let this gross you out. Then, came, then they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. We'll find it was probably for a good reason. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Jesus actually spit on somebody's eyes. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good practice. Don't do that. Don't do that, okay? It's not Jesus fitting on you, trust me. But he did. The point I'm trying to make here this morning is I begin to close is that God can use other methods to heal you, but He will heal you. Amen? God will get it done. I want to get you to a point this morning when you come and we pray this short time that we have at the altar, that you believe in your heart that God can do it. He can do it when He's ready to do it. He will do it however He wants to do it. And finally, this morning, This is so important, is to be thankful, to be thankful for the miracle, to be thankful. We see that again in the story of the 10 lepers. The Bible tells us it was 10 men who came to Christ that day. From a distance, they yelled out to him. See, lepers weren't allowed to come into the city. They had their own villages that were they, they they put them outside of the city because again they were ill of, of this disease that people were so afraid of. And so they yelled at Christ. But it was ten of them. And all of them obeyed the Lord and went, and they were all healed. But the Bible says that only one came back thankful. And I could say this that I know that if a pastor's looking at our service or watches our service later on in the day. I know they've experienced what I've experienced over the past 30, 40 years of ministry. Of how many people have come to this altar and received a miracle from God only to never come back with a thankful heart. Pastor, I'm going through this. Let's get the praying committee to come in. We lay hands and pray. And boom, God does a great miracle. Never again to be seen. Pastor, I'm having trouble with my marriage, and we go through counseling and prayer and prayer, and God heals the marriage never to be seen again. Pastor, my sons are going rampant, and they're lost, and they're not obeying the Lord, and so we set up counseling. We pray over the young people, and everybody begins to to hold the family again. All of a sudden, they're healed, and they're happy. We're doing fine. Never to come and to be thankful. Take the prize and you go and you forget Jesus. Oh, pastor, I, I, I've i been struggling. I need a car and I've not been able to purchase. Well, let's pray that the Lord provide for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, give her a vehicle. Boom, and off they drive away, never to come back. Pastor, I need a job. You know, it's been really rough. They fired me from my job. Can you pray that the Lord would open? I just need a job in the support of my family. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus, you would provide. You say, we believe in you, Father. You can do it now in the name of Jesus. Boom, a phone call. Pastor, they just called me. They hired me. Never again to come and be thankful. We wonder sometimes why miracles are held back in our lives. I'm wondering if the heart of God is broken. As a matter of fact, if you read the story of the 10 lepers, you'll find the question, weren't there 10 of you? Weren't there 10 of you that were healed? Basically asking, where's the rest of you? I thought all of you were healed. That's it? You just came for the goods and you're done? Ladies and gentlemen, we can never be that way. We should never be that way with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, I commit to you and I confess to you, I profess to you, take it arrogantly or however you want, I will never stop serving the Lord. Never. If not alone for the church, it's because of what he has done in my life. I am forever grateful what he's done in my family what he's done with my children what he's done in my body what he's done with me how he's forgiven me of my sins in everything he's done for me i am committed with the church or without the church do you understand being a pastor or not being a pastor i am committed to the lord in thankfulness every one of us in this place should have the same attitude To be thankful. Has God ever done a miracle in your life? Can you show me a hand? I want to see that God has done miracles in your life. Would you stand to your feet with me? Are you thankful this morning? Doesn't it make your worship more intimate? Doesn't it make it more personal that now all of a sudden from what we're talking about, all these things that seem so mechanical, so superficial, so educational per se, all of a sudden it becomes personal, intimate because, you know, all these miracles that we're talking about, the repentance of our sin and trusting that he can do it, how he can do it, all these things that we are talking about that all of a sudden you bring them to you and you say, I've experienced all of this. I was one of the ten lepers. I was one of the guys that God could have overlooked and not done anything for. But I'm thankful because He's healed my body, He's restored my life, He's brought me in, He's taken me in as His own. Can we be thankful? psalms 100 says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations